0: Several miles off the main highway, tucked away in a secluded canyon on prime vineyard property, stands a rustic barn that was built many decades before the vines around it were planted. In that barn, a sophisticated broadcast and recording studio has been built. The barn also has a well-hidden root cellar stocked with many of the world's most exceptional wines, only to be shared with guests who secretly come to offer their insights and tell their stories. Guests are sworn to secrecy, Our shuttle to the studio aboard a John Deere tractor. Those who cannot make the journey in person are interviewed by satellite hookup, and sometimes the crew simply sneaks away with microphones in hand and interviews guests in barrel rooms, wine cellars, and other magical places. All of this is done like clockwork every single week, so that we can bring you another episode of Grape Encounters Radio. me a grape, crush me some ice, skin me a peach, save the fuzz for my pillow.
1: And it is time for your Weekly Grape Encounter, and I am sitting in the studio today with one of my absolute favorite geniuses from the wine business. He was one of my very first guests, as a matter of fact, way back like seven years ago, and he periodically comes on to the show, but has been very absorbed in a lot of different things. He is really one of the most talented wine guys. He's a winemaker. A lecturer on wine, an author, and also the author of AVA's. His name is Wes Hagen. If you're a longtime listener to Grape Encounters Radio,
2: you know Wes. And Wes, first time in our new studio. Oh, I love this. And I uh, love the fact that you have a storefront next door. The selection of wines were great. I just watched you do a couple of your amazing little vinthesis blends and just digging the whole vibe here, man. So
1: were you appalled by the fact that we're taking single varietal wines and turning them into blends? <laughs>
2: (laughs) No, you know, I've always, even though I've always been a guy that really promotes the idea of single vineyards, you know, when I worked at Clopepi in the Santa Rita Hills, one of my sort of secrets has always been that the more different wines that you blend together, the more balance you get. The idea that you can make a perfect wine from one vineyard, uh, I think, is very short-sighted. The more sites you can bring together, you can bring the richness from a warm site, you can bring the acidity and the structure from a cooler site. Putting wines together always tends to make them gestalt, the final product always being greater than the part. So I I had a really good time watching you uh, put together a bunch of really disparate wines to make a very nice blend. Tell me the truth. You had some apprehension, did you not? Well, it was weird to see all these wines, you know, Argentina sort of meets Chile, Argentina and Chile, you know, meeting Paso Robles. But to be honest, I mean, we're all citizens of the world now. And as the internet's bringing us together and, uh, you know, media is bringing us together, why don't we do the same thing with wine?
1: Yeah, well, absolutely. And if there's any legacy I would like to leave in this world, it's to encourage people to not see wine as something so sacred. Mm. You know, I I certainly think there are certain brands out there that are pretty pristine and I would never monkey with those brands. But on the other hand, more often than not, and I really mean this sincerely, I would say that if you just randomly bought wine, you bought 10 bottles, I'm going to tell you that I'm not going to like seven or eight of those wines.
2: Mm. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. And you know what? I think what we've done is we're learning, we're trying to sort of think that as an American wine drinker, we have to understand wine in a fancy European way. We have to think a 93-point wine tastes better than a 91-point wine. And you know what? I don't know what a point tastes like. What I know is the first empty bottle on my table is the best bottle. And what I also know about wine is it's- Wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. What's that mean? The first empty bottle on your table is the best bottle? I have no idea what
2: that so is. So you have four bottles of wine on your table yes. and anyone can help themselves to wine at any time they want. Yeah. The first bottle that's empty is the best bottle, $5 or $5,000. Oh, I
1: see. So they're all open at the same time. Uh, Right. Oh, I see. And
2: what I'm saying is I love to just open everything. I think we've done a really good job in this country of complicating wine and making it inaccessible to normal people. Let's step back and ask ourselves a fundamental truth. What is the use of wine? Why is wine? Why does wine exist? Why is wine? What is is the why of wine? And the why of wine is we use wine to engage in the last meaningful analog ritual that's left in this country. And that is to open a bottle of wine at a table to spit a little time away from our stupid phones and our iPads and our computers to make eye contact for me to look at you
1: as you're doing right now,
2: to drink a glass of wine, drink a bottle of wine and spend an extra hour at that table discussing everything except that bottle of wine. Great wine should lead to a conversation about everything except itself. And it should get us talking passionately about what we did during that day, the TV shows we've been watching, the music we've been listening to, the experiences we've been having. Wine is an investment in spending time with the people we love. So
1: wine is the match and the conversation is the fire in the fireplace.
2: As Jefferson Wilkes uh, used to say, batteries not included on every bottle of wine, which means we'll give you the opportunity to get to table and have all this time with your family and your friends, but it's up to you to make the conversation meaningful. And what I find is after a glass or two of wine, it goes back to what Aristophanes said in 63 BCE in Athens, Greece. He said, Quickly, bring me a flagon of wine so I may wet my brain and say something clever. It's not that I'm not clever without wine, but put a couple glasses of wine in me, things come out of me that would not have come out of me in a more uh, sober setting. I've
1: got in the studio today Wes Hagen. He's the consulting winemaker and brand ambassador now For Jay Wilkes, which is out of Santa Maria, California. That's correct. And Wes has, for many, many years, been the winemaker at Clopepe in the Santa Rita Hills of the central coast of California. And really, really a very uh, admired winemaker because he makes – this may be an oxymoron – excellent Pinots.
2: Oh, (laughs) Don't get me started. Don't get me started. Pinot Noir is the most elegant and transparent varietal on the planet. I know that you're a Cabernet slut, and if it doesn't have 15% alcohol and enough, you know, extract to, you know, strip this cheek lining off a white Zin drinker, you're generally not interested. (laughs) Stop it! No, but when you're... that's (laughs) not true! Pinot Noir is generally the end game of wine. Sideways screwed it all up. You know, Sideways did for Pinot Noir what the Soviet Union did for socialism. A little too much, a little too quick. We went from feudalism straight on to, uh, sort of, uh. Socialism and that there, we skipped a big so, thing Sideways in the middle. Sideways
1: was the best thing that ever happened to Merlot, not <laughs> Pinot.
2: If you want it for a good price, you're absolutely right, because a $60 Merlot is now $25 because of what Rex Pickett and Sideways did and that one comment out in front of the Los Olivos Cafe said. But I, I understand that you're a cab guy. You like extract. Well, you so, like big ones. Hold, hold
1: it, hold it, sure. hold it, hold it, hold <laughs> it. I'm not just a cab guy. I like cabs. Yes. I like Merlots. Yes. I love Amarones. Yes. I mean, that's probably the most Extracted wine of all. I love petite Syrahs, petite frados. The thing about Pinot, and I, I want to really clear this up because you are a great Pinot maker. And there's no doubt about that. But there's a lot of crappy Pinot out there. Yeah, a lot. And that's my issue with Pinot is that like you poured me the Jay Wilkes Pinot today. Delicious, a wonderful, wonderful wine. But everybody and their brother got into the Pinot making business when they didn't have any business playing with
2: Pinot, right? And I think that's because it became marketable. Just like when Disney, you know, blaming bad Pinot on winemakers is like blaming Disney for retarded Dalmatians. I mean, no, <laughs> check it out, check it out. So Dis- <laughs> Disney, Disney made a great movie about spotted dogs. Everyone saw that great movie about spotted dogs and wanted a spotted dog. So what did the breeders do? They overbred the Dalmatians to the point they couldn't walk and they couldn't see. There's a lot of seriously disabled Dalmatians in the world because they were overbred. You can say the same thing about Pinot. Sideways was a movie that lit people's imagination about Pinot Noir. Pinot Noir was the wine everyone was talking about. Everyone wanted a glass of Pinot Noir, but there's not enough great Pinot to go around. So what happened? They planted it in the places where it didn't belong. They overbred it. And now there's a lot of sort of, I'll just go politically correct this time and say, develop, disabled Pinot Noirs out there that are grown in the wrong place at the wrong time. Listen, Pinot Noir is the princess in The Princess and the Pea. You can lay her down anywhere. But if there's one little pebble under 30 mattresses, she will say, oh, it hurts my back. Pinot Noir does not suffer fools. It cannot be grown in the wrong place. It is absolutely transparent to the place it's grown. So if it's not grown in maybe the 10 places in the world that can produce high quality Pinot Noir, it will show where it was grown no matter what you do with it in the lab.
1: I want to jump in for a second second and simply say this. If you have seen the movie Sideways, the movie is inspired by the Pinos that were made in the Santa Rita Hills. And the Santa Rita Hills AVA was authored by my guest here today, one of the the co-authors.
2: Correct. And I was obviously helped by Richard Sanford, Brian Babcock, Rick Longoria, the Parker family, everybody else really pitched in. I actually did the writing and the research. But what does
1: it feel like? I don't know if anybody's ever said this to you. What does it feel like to know that you guys were the
2: ones who put Pinot on the map in America. Well, Sideways to me is not a movie about Pinot Noir. It's a movie about men behaving badly that don't get their comeuppance. And it has a really nice sort of subplot about how beautiful Pinot Noir is. So- But that was the takeaway from the movie. It was.
1: You know, that's all anybody was left with was Merlot sucks and Pinot's great. Wow. All right. We're going to be back with Grape Encounters. My very special guest, Wes Hagen, one of my best friends in the wine business for sure. One of my very first guests on the show seven years ago. I love him. He's an absolute genius when it comes to wines, and you're going to come to our place and do a seminar.
2: We're going to do a seminar on the history of wine and the why of wine and answer all those fundamental questions. Where does wine come from? Why do human beings use wine? And why is wine the official beverage of Western religion and represent the elevation of consciousness from the earthly to the heavenly? And why heaven wouldn't exist if wine was never made? I'm just floored by that. Well, this is called an anticipatory set. I'm getting people to wait till after the break when I explain <laughs> that.
1: All right, we'll be back with more grape encounters in just a moment with my special guest Wes Hagen, who I admire, and I really mean this more than anybody in the wine business. There's nobody that I respect more than you, Wes.
2: Well, that's very kind of you to say. I'll see what I can do about saying something profound next segment. Okay, we'll do. We'll be back in just a second.
1: A lot of people ask me why Manzanita Manor's incredible Portuguese dessert wine is called Too Horse. Well, the reason behind the name is as extraordinary as the wine itself. It's because the owner and winemaker at Manzanita Manor Organics actually uses two beautiful horses to pull the plow on her farmland. When you take your very first sip of the Two Horse Vineyard's irresistible dessert wine, you'll immediately experience the winemaker's unparalleled connection to the land. It's what really makes it so good. You can purchase this exceptional wine online as well as their purely delicious walnut oil, 100% organic heirloom walnuts, and free trade chocolate covered walnuts. To learn more about all the Manzanita Manor Organics products, visit mmorganics.com. You can order all their walnut products there and bottles of two horse, of course. Purchase and shipping subject to state and local regulations. Please see MMOrganics.com for more information.
0: We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes south, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin Wine Access System costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works perfectly. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at grapeencounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at grapeencounters.com.
3: Wine. Give, me wine. Give me that
0: wine. Give me that wine. Cause I can't cut loose without my. Juice. Like certain wines, he's syrupy, sweet, and has long legs. Here's David Wilson.
1: All right, back with Grape Encounters Radio, and sitting in the studio with me
0: is Wes
1: Hagen. He is the consulting winemaker for Jay Wilkes. He was the winemaker at Clopepe. He is a lecturer, a writer on wine, a wine judge, more than anything else, a wine drinker.
2: Yes. Because that's really what it's all about. Well, in the end, we've done a really good job in this country of confusing people about wine. Wine. Why? Because we make it about points. We make it about, is that blackberry or blueberry? Is that Bing cherry or black cherry? Who cares? Let's get around a table, put down some delicious things, you know, surround ourselves with the people we love and let wine do its job. Wine is not about being fancy. Wine does not need to be talked about. Wine does not need to be defined. Wine needs to be drunk, enjoyed and shared.
1: Okay, I have a question for you on this subject. Why are we so determined to try to identify flavors in wine? Nobody eats uh, tamale casserole and tries to define what's in there. How much cumin? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, nobody does that with anything else we ingest. Imagine if we ate lasagna and said... Oh, it's got hints of cherry tomatoes and
2: Parmesan. Well, darn straight. Why, why even talk about it? So Why do, why we, do, do, we, it, why do we do it with wine? I think, I think the answer really is is the kingmaker critics can be both celebrated and sort of condemned for what they've done for wine. People used to say, wow, you know, it sounds like you're really angry at Robert Parker for him trying to get people to drink big, rich, ripe wines. And, and my, my position on that has changed significantly. I think Robert Parker is a great wine hero in the United States. But one thing that Robert Parker did is he would, because he has an extraordinary palate, and he has basically one of the best palates probably in the business, one thing he was able to do is to determine when he smelled the aroma of a wine is to determine which specific esters existed in those wines. So he picked up the esters of black cherry, he picked up the esters of blueberry and blackberry, and he put them in his notes. And he formalized the way that we taste wine, the same way that Shakespeare formalized the English language. Pushkin formalized old Russian language when he wrote his original stories. So he was the guy that gave us the language. So we took the lexicon from Robert Parker and we copied it. And we said, when we tasted the wine, we said, who can pick up more aromas in the wine? Do you get a little bit of jasmine in this viognier? Oh, wait, yeah, I get jasmine in the viognier. We want to one-up the people we drink with. And to me, that is very disingenuous to the way that wine is meant to be used, which is basically social lubricant, which means we say stuff after drinking wine that we wouldn't have said before we drank wine, which is the magic of wine and why the Romans and the Greeks said there's truth in wine. So for me to go through and to give you a fruit salad description of a Chardonnay, figs, apples, pears, nectarine, peach skin, that's all well and good. But is that going to sell the wine? Probably not. What's going to sell the wine is, is it delicious to you? So so let's forget this stuff. Let's stop thinking about describing wine and get back to using wine to discuss everything except the wine. What are you passionate about? What do you love about life? What do you want to do tomorrow? What are your dreams? What are your goals? What do you love about me and what do I love about you? These are the most profound things we can talk about. And if you look at the old Greek and Roman use of wine, it was used under the auspices of two gods. The Greeks believed in Dionysus, the Romans believed in Bacchus. They're the same god. The thing that they both have in common is they both both have two faces. There is the angelic orgiastic face of Bacchus, which is obviously smiling. And then there's the goblin face. And we all know the goblin face. It's that you drank too many glasses of wine and suddenly you are ugly drunk. Yeah. And I don't know anyone who enjoys hanging out with that ugly drunk. So it's 95% of all the laws that, that control us when we drink wine are for the 5% of the people that can't keep their stuff together when they drink.
1: Well, there, there's, there's something more about that too. If you drink wine properly, you will never get drunk. It you will know,
2: teach you not to get drunk because it's a self-moderating beverage. If you get seriously drunk on red wine, you are never going to be so unhappy in your life. A red wine will teach you how to drink it. And if you go too far, you probably won't want to go that far ever again in your life. It'll teach you how to drink it. Well, the thing is,
1: uh, so many times I sit down with people and we're drinking wine and and I will look across the table at their glass, and it's empty. Mm. And they're going for the next serving, and the next serving. And they'll pour three glasses of wine before I finish my first glass of wine. It's not that I'm a teetotaler. It's right. that I'm actually enjoying it, and I'm pacing myself, and it's fun that way. If you're going to just gobble wine, then for goodness sakes, just go buy $2 wine.
2: And drink it at home. Because and just you- hold
1: your nose while you drink it and just plow it down.
2: This is so important, too, because I advocate everywhere I go to use wine on a daily basis to increase. If you drink one to two glasses of wine a day, you'll live three to five years longer. You have less chance of having high cholesterol. Drinking wine every day is good for you. And I'm sure there's a lot of people out there going, oh, how could he say that on the air? It's absolutely true. Every double-blind, peer-reviewed study has shown one to two glasses of red wine on a daily basis extends a human lifespan and makes us have less stress. Wine is nature's voice. Listen, nature doesn't want us to spend eight hours a day in a cubicle. If you want to know what nature wants for you, drink two glasses of wine and listen to yourself. What it's going to say is get into nature. Be kind be around your friends be around food everything about what nature wants for us is in a glass of wine it'll teach you what you want to do which is eventually sit around have some great times with your friends have great times around food that's what nature wants for us it wants us to be happy it wants us to eat delicious food and that's really what wine's all about in all my right
1: world. okay hey we got one minute left believe yes. it or not what should people be drinking besides the usual suspects you well know, what's hot right now well and you got to make it fast in the geeks,
2: the Gruner Veltliner, Rieslings, yes. especially German Rieslings, especially at 8.5% alcohol, you can drink it like you, – you can drink Riesling to sober up. Sparkling wine, great Prosecco, great Cava that uh, – Isn't that the
1: truth by the way?
2: Bubbles. You know,
1: it's a funny thing because a lot of people like me really don't like champagne. Mm. And the reason that I don't like champagne is – is because I'm not a huge Chardonnay fan. Okay. And, or Pinot fan, for that right. matter. And so if you don't like those wines, you shouldn't be drinking champagne. Right. But on the other hand, Cavas yes. um, and Prosecco are made from different grapes. And, if, and you've got the same effect, you bet. but you got a different flavor.
2: And the last thing I'll really say, if you want a wine that will show you all the beauty, and, and this is a, not a, a serious wine, but a wine that's sweet and delicious and red, it's, um, it's called Brachetto. Brachetto. Brachetto is from the Brachetto region and the briquetto is also the grape. It is a macerated red wine, which means it stays on the skins during fermentation. Rosa de Regale, which is the briquetto from Banfi in Tuscany. And it is sweet. It is red. It is sparkling. And you'll want to drink it off of a belly button. I always say a uh, bottle of briquetto, first date in a jacuzzi. If you don't get lucky, it's certainly not the wine's fault. <laughs> I can't put that in the show. <laughs> oh, you can. Oh, my gosh. All right. Wes. Yes. What a pleasure to have you here today. Always a great time to hang out with you, I'm today. just going to make you a regular. I think I'm just going to pretty much just going to a regular. I'm going to put up a cot here and just hang out.
1: Yeah. Isn't it lovely, by the way? Tell them how lovely our studios you know, are. I'm fishing for compliments here.
2: No, no, no. And the store is awesome. Your selection's awesome. And now that I'm bringing in the Jay Wilkes wines and people can probably try <laughs> them here, I have to at least get that little plug in. I think our Pinot Noir Chardonnay and Pinot Blanc are absolutely spectacular. And if if you haven't tried uh, wines from the Santa Maria Valley, owe it to yourself to understand that it is the soul of Santa Barbara County winemaking.
1: All right. One thing I'm going to suggest. If you are a wine lover who has been stimulated by this conversation, do yourself a favor. Google Wes Hagen, H-A-G-E-N, and you will find lots of content, especially on YouTube, of Wes Talking about wines in ways that you've never imagined before. It's a beautiful thing. I love your videos. Thank you. You're a genius. No. And <laughs> now
2: I'm going to kick you out. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much for having me hey, on, Hey, thanks, David. Wes. You got and, it.
1: Um, by the way, the J. Wilkes brand, you can find it online at dot Woo-hoo. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters after this.
0: We like to talk about wine. <laughs> Grave Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at visitatascadero.com. If you'd like to hear more no-nonsense talk about wine and all the fun that goes with it, check out winetalkshow.com. At winetalkshow.com, you'll find a massive library of content for fun-loving, unpretentious people who aren't afraid to step outside the lines and challenge conventional wisdom. We'll take you places you've never been before. That's a promise. Expand your wine horizons in unimaginable ways at winetalkshow.com. We're all guilty of sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes. And that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin costs a little bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Argon gas is injected into the bottle while as little or as much of the wine you want flows right into your glass. The Argon gas keeps your wine so safe it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Click the Coravin link at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at grapeencounters.com. My heart is drenched in wine. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues.
1: All right, we are back with Grape Encounters Radio. And I'll tell you what, if there was ever a story that is so up my alley, it is definitely this one. I I came across a product that is getting a little bit of buzz right now, maybe a lot of buzz, actually. It's one of those, gosh, I wish I had thought about it ideas. But for all of those people who have tasted a glass of wine and said, you know what, this wine could have used a little bit more oak on it. Have I got the product for you? It is the brainchild of Joel Paglione. And Joel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So oak bottle, that pretty much says it all.
3: Pretty much, Yep. Yeah. You, you hit it right on the head.
1: Okay, so let's talk about this. This is such a neat product, and it's, it's one of those products where I'm thinking a lot of people are going, gosh, I wish I had thought of that. I, yeah. I know I certainly wished it was my idea, but I, too late to rip it off. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit too late. So tell me what we've got here. It looks like a wine bottle, but it's made out of oak, and its purpose may seem obvious, but maybe it's not to some people who are listening. So... So, uh, give me the rundown on what it is and where the idea came from.
3: Sure. Yeah. The oak bottle is basically, in the simplest way to describe it, is it's an aging vessel. It's the fastest aging vessel ever made. So essentially, it, it works through service area over volume. Um, it's not a new concept. You know, Service area over volume has been used to describe the oak aging capability of, of barrels for decades. Yeah. For example, casks and small casks. But what we're doing is we're making it possible for, for people at home to have fun with their wine and spirits. And it's not just used for for wine, of course. It's for, it's for spirits, it's for cocktails, and we're finding that we're, we're getting a lot of great reception in, in those categories as well. But uh, essentially, the idea is to uh, provide the home enthusiasts with the ability to customize their wine and perhaps you know not inherit what they 're receiving when they buy a bottle of wine you know for the for the person who may not know exactly you know their wine preferences, it allows them to try different things and and decant it at the same time as add great oak tannin and oak flavor to their their favorite wines and and really discover what their favorite wine tastes like and For people who are experienced. It allows them to tailor, you know, what they like and, and really uh, showcase the favorite characteristics that they have in, in wines that they love. So, uh, we're really excited about getting it out there to people. It's basically paying homage to the oak barrel that's been around for centuries, of course, but in a way that's practical for people to be able to purchase uh, in store and online and and have on their you know bar at home or in their restaurant that they love to go to.
1: So, this particular vessel is it 750 milliliters then?
3: Yeah, the the larger version is 750 milliliters, and we also have a smaller version, which is 355, so a beer bottle version.
1: Yeah, but we wouldn't put beer in it. Or
3: would we? I, would I guess... we, exactly. I mean, what we're doing Why is breaking not? down. Yeah, exactly. And that's the fun of it, is that we're really breaking down the walls and saying, let's create a new category, kind of blazing the way in barrel-aged spirits, wines, beers, cocktails and saying hey customize what you love and and that includes beers as well i mean we're we're getting a great reception from a lot of breweries not only here in chicago where we're headquartered but across the globe you know people saying you know oak aged beers are on the rise and and we're looking for an efficient vessel to do it in in a time frame that makes sense. And if I forgot to mention, the oak bottle speeds up the aging process and and we're doing it in ways that never been done before.
1: But there's a lot of, I guess, uh, calculating that went into doing this because I guess you by trade are an engineer, right? And in product development, but for the standard oak barrel, you know, those that we typically see in a winery, you know, you were talking about the amount of surface area that uh, wine comes into contact with in a conventional barrel versus this vessel, what is the difference? It's got to be much, much, much more contact with the oak bottle than it would be in a conventional barrel, correct?
3: Exactly. I and mean, yeah, how much exactly. more are we talking about? Well, we could look at the, the mathematics behind it, and we've done that. And mathematically, we're about 60 times faster. But there's other variables included in that. You know, For example, the oak bottle can be made, because of its size, it can be made from one single piece of oak, which gives you a consistency. And along with that, it also um, is one solid piece. So all the oxygenation that happens is, is strictly through the oak pores, strictly extracting that oak tannin. So there's other variables that are included. Also, the fact that oak barrels, you know, over time need to be rotated in order to get full contact. The oak bottle is such a small vessel that all of the volume, pretty much, is saturating that that charred. Uh, oak interior. So there's lots of different variables that are contributing to the speed of the oak bottle, but mainly it's surface area volume and the fact that the oxygenation happens only through the pores of the wood.
1: Okay, so you're going to help me do the math here for a second because let's say a typical wine, a red wine, a Cabernet is going to sit in an oak barrel. Well, just for simplicity's sake, let's say it's going to sit in the barrel for two years which is probably on the long side for most wines. But uh, for the sake of argument, two years, so if it's 60 times faster, then how long would an un-oaked wine sit in your oak bottle to have the same effect?
3: Well, if you look at two years, that's, let's say, 360 days. You know, that's 720 days, Um, basically. Dividing that by 60, that's 12 days. Now, a typical red wine can survive a 12-day aging period, but most wines are great after four hours or eight hours in the oak bottle, especially the first time you use it, because just like an oven, a brand new oven, you're going to burn the food if you use it for the first time. You kind of have to season the oak bottle. So we're finding that the, the sweet spot, it, it depends on your taste, of course, it, that's kind of subjective, but the sweet spot tends to be anywhere from four hours to eight hours with a Chardonnay and a little bit longer with a red wine.
1: Now, can, and, I, can I take the bottle, open it, and take a little sip every so often just to see how it's progressing? And will exactly. I notice the difference every half an hour?
3: If you are a seasoned wine expert or someone, a wine enthusiast, you will notice a difference, yes. Really? It's that fast. In fact, we're gearing up to do a Kickstarter in the next couple weeks, actually, and we did a blind taste test in Chicago, pulling random strangers right off the street, and we filmed the whole thing, and we'll, we'll have it- up on our Kickstarter in the next couple weeks, Uh, and you can search Oak Bottle for that. But the strangers, these people, who some of them were wine uh, aficionados, and some were were brand new, and we did a whiskey tasting as well. But they tried three different wines, one of which was a Napa wine, a St. Francis Reserve Merlot 2012. Okay. The other two were a yellowtail Merlot that cost $5 and that St. Francis professionally oaked Merlot was an 89 point wine according to Wine Advocate and it was selling for $40 at the liquor store so we took a $5 yellowtail put it in the oak ball for four hours and we left one bottle original, right, just the regular $5 Merlot that hadn't been oaked in the oak bottle, and then the St. Francis Reserve. And we did a blind taste study, and 33 points went towards the oak bottle, 31 points to the $40 Reserve, and 28 points to the Yellowtail. So we were able to convert that Yellowtail into something that people liked even more than the $40 professionally award-winning 89-point Merlot. So... I mean, the, the proof is in that type of a study and in other studies that sommeliers have been, have been doing with our product over the past eight months.
1: Yeah, but that would suggest to some degree that the grapes are less critical and the barrel
3: is more critical.
1: You know, there's certainly going to be some people scratching their head going, now, nah, come on. But what do we say to them?
3: You know, I think it's it's really a matter of... You know, when you look at a young wine, and I can talk about how we how the idea came to came to realization, and it'll explain a little bit more where I'm going. But when you look at a young wine, and you look at the acidity level and, and the fruitiness of that wine, when you don't have that oak tannin and that oak influence, it really leaves the wine tasting really young tasting, I guess, green tasting. And we've all tasted young green wine and you just think it doesn't have that same robustness, that same mellowing characteristic that a wine would have that's been aged for years. So the oak bottle allows the wine to mellow out, and you can taste that oak influence that gives you the impression that this wine has been aged for years or that it's a reserve wine. And so I think that people are used to tasting great wine that's been aged in barrels for years, and because of that, they associate that oak flavor with a good wine. And because of that, we're finding that people really enjoy the oak bottle aged wine.
1: Well, that's where you really hit the nail on the head. There are plenty of winemakers that I know personally who make extraordinary wine, but the barrel may be the limiting factor because at $1,500 or $2,000 for a quality barrel, some winemakers just plain can't make that investment, so they end up using neutral barrels, they use oak chips in the Chip. barrel, oak dust in the barrel, and yeah. God forbid, oak extract,
3: no! Oh, God. Oh! Geez. <laughs> no, I know, and you're absolutely right, it's and poison. you know what? It's a patch. You know, Oak chips, for example. I know a lot of wineries are using oak chips simply because not only can they not afford the oak barrels, even if they could afford the oak barrels, they can't afford the time it takes for an oak barrel to do its job, okay? Yeah. And they're using oak chips out of dire need, and and they need to get their product out there so they can start selling their next year's batch and profiting from that. So they're using oak chips, but it doesn't allow for oxygenation. You might as well just pour a cup of oak extract in the wine. Oak chips add sediment. You have to refilter and and, and re-rack over and over again. And they're not efficient. And it's undeniable that the oak bottle is by far more efficient than oak chips or anything else like that.
1: My guest, Joel Paglione, the inventor of the oak bottle. We're going to talk more about this amazing new product that I wish I had
0: invented
1: when we return with Grape Encounters
0: Radio. Grape Encounters Radio, the show that insists when life gives you lemons, you sell them for a wine. Grave Encounters Radio is based in Atascadero, California for good reason. It's the heart of the Central Coast wine country and the perfect home base for endless adventures. Atascadero is friendly, affordable, and offers unparalleled access to world-class equestrian ranches, bicycle trails, hiking, breathtaking beaches, cutting-edge culinary experiences, and endless wine country adventures. Learn more about Atascadero, the gateway to good times, at Visit Atascadero.com. If you have a thirst for wine
1: knowledge, be it trivia or the latest trends, there's a website that's overflowing with content that we've created just for you. It's GrapeEncounters.com, where you'll find literally hundreds upon hundreds of stories and interviews covering almost every topic imaginable. From the world's most colorful and renowned winemakers to unforgettable wine adventures, there's something for every wine lover at GrapeEncounters.com. Go ahead, log on, uncork. Pour, swirl, and sip.
0: We're all guilty as sin. We open a costly bottle of wine and recork it with the intent of drinking the rest later. But later comes and goes, and that delicious wine also goes. South, that is. The Coravin is the most reliable way to enjoy your wine without any concern about the unconsumed wine going bad. And while the Coravin Wine Access System costs a bit more than other preservation systems, it does something they don't. It works. It works. Perfectly, The Coravin is a beautifully engineered handheld device that gives you access to your wine through a small needle that you gently push straight through the cork. Inert argon gas is injected into the bottle, while as little or as much of the wine that you want flows right into your glass. The argon gas keeps your wine so safe, it's as though you never opened the bottle. Want to learn more? Simply click the Coravin link online at GrapeEncounters.com. A wine is a terrible thing to waste. Get your Coravin at GrapeEncounters.com. And now, Grape Encounters with David Wilson continues, broadcasting from our wine cellar studio in idyllic Atascadero, centrally located in the Central Coast wine country of San Luis Obispo County, California. I've got an
1: $8 bottle of wine, Pick it up on sale in the checkout line. It look pretty good to me. Made somewhere in California for that price, honey. How bad could it be? We are back with Grape Encounters Radio. We're talking to Joel Pagliani. He is the inventor of the Oak Bottle. Joel, there's one question I've got to ask you because the Oak Bottle is not cheap. You sell it for you know sixty plus dollars, right? And I, I want to get into the infusions in just a moment, but like any oak barrel, I would imagine the oak bottle has a limited lifespan because as time goes on, the potency of the oak is going to go down and down and down and down. You know, obviously you could leave the wine in there longer as it loses some of the oak characteristic. How do I manage that?
3: Exactly what you said. Now... We've been using the oak bottle you know, over and over for more than 60 uses, and we're still using it. It's still imparting as much oak. Of course, that's subjective, and it also depends on how solvent the alcohol is that you're using it with and the humidity level and the conditions in which you're using the oak bottle. But we're finding that you're getting 50 to 60 uses out of the oak bottle before it starts to lose its oaking capability.
1: But how, is, reason- that, how is that possible when that's not the case with an oak barrel where you're, great good, question. you're, you're good to get four uses out of it?
3: Great, great question. The, the reason is... We're flash aging. We're coining it as flash aging. It's speed aging. There's not enough time for the wine to really saturate the charred oak inside. We're leaving it in there for four hours, right? So, I mean, a barrel, you're leaving wine in there for three years. It really saturates that oak. With the oak bottle, it's flash. It's just spikes. And because of that, you're able to you know, use it over and over again. The beauty behind the oak bottle is that it's so fast that if it starts to lose its oaking capability, then you leave it in there an extra four hours, and it's like doubling the amount of oak you had. So the consumer is able to get real value out of the oak bottle. What we're saying is, when you look at the value proposition, if you buy a $20 Johnny Walker red label or a $5 yellowtail, if you're able to convert that into a $40 You know, reserve red wine or a $60 Johnny Walker Black Label, then you're really getting true value out of it. You really paid for the bottle itself in two uses.
1: Joel Pagliani is the inventor of the oak bottle, an engineer by trade, but Joel, you also are in the family wine business. Tell me a little bit about that and kind of a heartwarming story about how the winery came to pass.
3: Of course, yeah. um, I'm from Canada originally. Uh, I've been immersed in the wine culture all my life growing up Italian looking forward to winemaking season at the end of fall every year with my father and part of that uh, our family tradition has always been to to make wine and my uncle Santino decided to give up construction and start his own winery um, when he found out that he had cancer. Decided to pursue his true passion in life and knew that he, you know, had limited time with us and and wanted to leave a legacy for his family and for his extended family. And so he bought a, an existing vineyard in Harrow, Ontario called Peglionia State Winery, my last name, and converted to a winery uh, 3 years ago. And we're really proud of what he's able to accomplish before he passed 3 months ago. And really that's where the Oak Bottles idea was born for myself. You know, we're, we're really proud of our uncle, and, and I'm glad that he left such a wonderful legacy to, to our family.
1: Wow, that's a great story. Now, beyond just the basic oak bottle, you're also selling these bottles with uh, different flavors infused into them. Can you explain that one?
3: Yeah, you know, what we're trying to do here is create a new category. And as part of that, you look at what our goal is in our five-year plan and 10-year plan is to be yeah, able to offer the oak bottle to people everywhere through retail distribution, and a lot of times with retail distribution is uh you can't be a one skew wonder you know they they call they coin that in the in the retail world the one skew wonder uh you have to have variation in order for some retailers to pick you up and as part of that you know we're pursuing. The, the cocktail aging market which is hugely on trend if you look at technomics five trends uh, food trends of 2015 number four was signature cocktails so uh, you look at what, what people are doing overseas and, and even here in the states Cocktail aging is is huge right now, and so the oak bottle allows for bartenders everywhere to do that efficiently within time within the time that they can they can afford efficiently on their bar. So the oak bottle flavored versions are really playing to that. Um, it allows people to infuse cocktails with citrus notes, coffee notes. So for example, you can take a you know a blanco tequila, you know, and age it in the coffee oak bottle and create your own tequila cafe or Patron you know ca- yeah. cafe. So it opens up the category to allow for bartenders to infuse different flavor components and really layer those flavor components to create really interesting cocktails.
1: So tell me about the oak itself.
3: The oak is American oak. It's a American white oak. It's charred inside to a medium level. And we hope to, as we uh, get further along, to also offer French oak options and other toasting levels.
1: Wow, very interesting. You know, I think there are a lot of die-hard wine lovers who would love to see you come out with an oak urn. Yeah, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah I mean, <laughs> that's, that's so, a possibility. So,
1: sorry, <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, there's a market for it. I mean, if I could be buried in anything, that would be it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> well, you can always uh, use the oak bottle, I suppose. Uh, uh, you only get better with age.
1: Well, the only thing is, is that once you're gone, I, I, I don't think you're going to be speeding up the aging process. Yeah. just at at some point stops okay for the person who wants to know more about this and you said you have a kickstarter campaign going as well Uh, give me a little bit of information about where we can send people to get their own oak bottle urns yet to come i guess you could use it as an urn if you want to but where can they get the oak bottle and then where can they learn more about the kickstarter campaign
3: you can find the Oak Bottle at oakbottle.com, and we'll be releasing the Kickstarter campaign within the next couple of weeks. So look out for Oak Bottle on kickstarter.com.
1: And the product is selling quite well right now.
3: Yes, we're very proud of uh, our current retail relationships with Brookstone, Bed Bath & Beyond, Amazon, The Grommets, Lakeland in the UK, Wayfair, et cetera. So we're, we're excited about what's to come for our future.
1: Man, you got into some great retailers.
3: Yes. Now I just need to get down. I just need to knock down the door at Costco.
1: <laughs> well, it sounds like you are already very nicely positioned. Now you just need to be in the Grape Encounter Symporium.
3: There we go. All right, that's our, that's our next priority. All
1: right, Joel, nice
3: to have you on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate that.
1: Love the innovation. It, it seems like a great idea. I was going to say the proof is in the pudding, but I guess the proof is in the Cabernet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, man. Hey, thanks very much. We're going to definitely have to get a couple of the oak bottles in to the Grape Encounters test laboratory and confirm some of this ourselves. And then we'll also have to get some listeners in here as Grape Encounters guinea pigs. That sounds
3: great. Just to see what
1: happens. Gosh, who would have thunk it? An oak bottle. You just buy a cheap little bottle of wine. Pour it in the oak bottle, and voila, like magic, it turns into something mighty special. Well, that's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. We'll catch you here next week. In the meantime, if you do get one of those oak bottles, don't stand too close to it. If you do, you might find yourself waking up with a few more wrinkles than you had the night before.